The Living Traditions Festival is back Friday, May 17th through Sunday, May 19th at Washington Square Park in downtown Salt Lake City. You will find a global food court, live music, performances, art, workshops, Bohemian Brewery, and stuff for kids. Full disclosure, this is my favorite Salt Lake Festival. For details and to see the full program, visit livingtraditionsfestival.com or find them on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. The city council was busy this week. So was Mother Nature. And so were you, I bet. Lead producer Emily Means is here to break down the week's top stories with me. It's Friday, April 7th. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Lead producer Emily Means, happy Friday. Happy Friday, Ali Vallarta. We did it, happy Joe. sunny Friday. We have earned this sun. And looking at the weather, it seems like we're full steam ahead for sun. But the city council was busy this week. We have some updates in our news roundup for listeners. Um, ADUs. Our favorite acronym. Accessory dwelling units. It really rolls off the tongue. What's an accessory dwelling unit, Allie? I'm calling it a home inside a home or a second home on a property. So it could be like a mother-in-law. It could be like a guest suite. It could be a basement apartment or like an attached apartment. Any sort of like secondary housing on a single lot that has its own entrance is an ADU. And we're not going to get too deep into this because we actually did a show about ADUs and this specific ordinance change this week. I'll link it in the show notes. And if you haven't heard it, I encourage you to listen. We talked to Taylor Anderson, the editor of Building Salt Lake. But basically, expect ADUs to be more plentiful in our city now. Which is great to see uh, because, as we know, the entire state is dealing with an affordable housing crisis. And the idea is that if we increase the number of units, hopefully the cost of this housing goes down. So the city council did vote to change the accessory dwelling unit ordinance and looks like they're going to revisit the data in three years, see if mm-hmm. ha- see how things are going, see if it's been working out for us. And um, yeah, I mean, I think... Housing nerds are really excited to see this. Yeah. Housing nerds are kind of divided on the caveat to this vote, which is that there is what's called an owner occupancy requirement, which basically means that like if I, Ali Vallarta, have this like little house in Sugar House with this guest house in the back and I'm renting out the guest house in the back and it's like an ADU, I have to live in the main house, at least for a certain number of days of the year. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. ADUs are potentially the way of the future. And the city council will, I guess, revisit in a couple of years. And they're probably what they're going to do is look at the map and say, how many of these are Airbnbs? It's a good question. You know, Ali, that I we said we're not going to get into this. And we're not. Because you're going to go listen to that show with Taylor Anderson instead. But I previously lived in a basement apartment in which the owner did not live. Like, she wasn't she wasn't on the top floor. So hmm. uh, I got questions about that owner occupancy requirement, too. I mean, frankly, I wouldn't have wanted to live with my landlord anyway, but... Okay, 
Bingo. Because as a renter, I'm like, I want my landlord to be as far away from me as possible. (laughs) Please don't show up unless the drain is clogged, okay? (laughs) Right. Anyway, uh, let's move on because the city council took up some other stuff. Yes. May I throw another acronym at you? Oh, all right. This one will be easy. It's HRC, Homeless Resource Center. Hillary Rodham Clinton. Hillary Rodham okay. Clinton. Nope. <laughs> Close. Close enough. Uh, this one was a doozy, buddy. Uh, so full disclosure, I did not watch the entire city council meeting on Tuesday. Those days are behind me. I was a politics reporter for a couple years, and that's how I spent my evenings. Not anymore. So I'm going to tell you about a public hearing the city council had over a new proposed homeless resource center ordinance. Oh, I can feel my chest tightening. (laughs) Well, it's interesting because this one was a meaty topic. So uh, do you remember the shelter moratorium that Salt Lake City has in place? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So this whole thing is coming out of that process. So it was in 2021, I believe, mm-hmm. that Mayor Aaron Mendenhall initiated a moratorium on permanent shelters in Salt Lake City. Uh, we talked to her about that recently. We had the mayor on the show to talk about her approach to homelessness. And she said her main concern at the time and where that stemmed from was a concentration of homeless resources in some neighborhoods over others. And specifically, Mm -hmm. at the time, that was the ballpark neighborhood. Now, that launched this process of reconsidering where we can put homeless resources in this city. Because if you take a look at Sugar House on the east side of the city... Nary a homeless resource center in sight. Nada. Nada. No. In fact, they tried to put one there and the neighborhood fully opposed it and it ended up somewhere right. else. I think it actually ended up in my neighborhood in Central City. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's only like even like three gas stations in Sugar House. <laughs> <laughs> and a Buffalo Wild Wings. And a That's Buffalo it. Wild That's Sugar Wings. House. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, the city council and the city's planning commission have been looking at how can we more equitably distribute homeless resources throughout this city because there's this idea that they really impact the, or they can really impact the communities that they're in. Um, there are mm-hmm. concerns about crime. There's concerns about garbage or needles and things like that. General right. safety concerns that some people have who are property owners in that neighborhood. Yeah. Also, people who live in wealthy neighborhoods and are concerned with their property value are generally uncomfortable with introducing poverty to their neighborhood, which is something that, I mean, that's like sort of the NIMBY of it all. Even though, like, the idea of community care is actually exacerbated if we had a lot of like small shelters around the community where people could go instead of like these few and far between massive shelters where we try and pack everyone in at once. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It gives people less options, too, for places to go where, like, they as an individual might feel safe or might feel like it's an actual refuge. So anyway, yeah, it's complicated. So that's the backstory. Now, what's on the table now is a proposal that creates a homeless resource center Overlay zoning district. So basically, a shelter could be located now in just about any area of the city. But the service provider that wants to create that shelter is going to have to apply for a zoning map amendment to allow that shelter to be there. 
What do you mean by service provider? I'm talking about homeless service providers. The Road Home, Volunteers of America. Um, who else do we have on the table? Switchpoint. You know, Switch if point. they okay. wanted to site a shelter somewhere in the city, what they'll now need to do is basically ask for the city's permission to be included in this zoning overlay. And mm. the way I understand the process is that they now have to jump through quite a few more hoops to do that. So this will launch a public input period. They'll have to go through a planning commission hearing. They'll have to go through a city council hearing. They need to engage with nearby property owners. They need to engage with nearby people experiencing homelessness. Mm. There needs to be information on the potential public safety costs, how this could impact our police department, how close other shelters are. And the city's uh, FAQ section on this amendment says that it could potentially take six to 12 months to approve a homeless resource center under this new proposal. Okay. Allie, I see you (laughs) staring up at the ceiling because (laughs) I had that same feeling. Like the theme of helping unsheltered people is urgency, right? right? Like we need to get people out of the elements. We need to get people stabilized. Right. And this sounds like it just introduces more bureaucracy. That's what it sounds like. And waylays a process. Like I would not, this feels far from a declaration, right? This is like not even opening a window. This is like opening a window, a crack and being like, we dare you to shimmy through it. (laughs) It sounds like a lot of effort. And I was browsing through the public comment. There were a mix of of opinions on this. Interestingly, the Salt Lake Valley Coalition and Homelessness is supportive of these changes with a few tweaks here and there. And Mm. um, I mean, that's kind of where we're at. I think that there is a little bit more time for us to process this. Uh, There's a possible vote on April 18th by the city council. But Allie, Here's the catch. Something needs to be done by May 3rd. Otherwise, we go back to what we had before the shelter moratorium. Which is what? Which is shelters can only be built in certain zones? Yeah. So that's where we're at. Just plopping that into your lap. And, you know, maybe we sit with that for a bit. I mean, this just feels like a classic town hall, local neighborhood democracy problem where you want everyone to feel heard in this process and in moving forward. And so you just kind of like stuff the turkey with like every way of going forward. And it's so jumbled. Like you, what you end up with is something that's not entirely clear, really bureaucratic, kind of confusing and above all slow. Think that the intentions behind this, you know, this idea that we want shelters in more places, like we don't want to limit ourselves to just ballpark or just central city or just right. fair park. I think that right. is valid. Yeah, that's valid and an important way for us to address this. I'm not a planning expert. So maybe this is a good and thorough process. But, you know, from the outside, it does sound like more hoops. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think we need more shelters and more places in this city. But just hearing you describe this process, I'm not confident we're going to get them quickly. And I'm not confident we're going to get them at all. 
I don't even feel like I scratched the surface of what is included in these proposals. So there, there are even more layers to this. Um, and mm. I don't think anyone really wants to build a new shelter. Uh, this was something that was kind of insinuated by the chair of the coalition and homelessness. Like, we don't yeah. want that anymore. We want people to be housed because that's how we stabilize them and set them up for success in life. And it's just, you know, the most dignified way to live is right. in stable housing. So, you know, hopefully we never have to build another shelter again, but that's just not the case right now. Whenever posture comes up in conversation, we all do that thing where we immediately sit upright and pull our shoulders back. Did you do it just now? I did a movement session with Chandler at Embodied Patients, and after a few gentle corrections, I was surprised to find sitting up straight is incredibly easy. Chandler's practice combines over a decade of study in yoga, Pilates, and the Alexander Technique. So why should you invest in your posture? Let's start with the link between better posture and better breathing. Whether you're returning to activity from an injury, looking to manage pain, or just have the sense things could be a little easier, Chandler will teach you to create sustainable movement habits so that you can enjoy the things you love for longer. Maybe that's running marathons. Maybe it's walking the dog. Visit embodiedpatients.com to book a session with Chandler and give yourself the gift of your own attention. Spring is when leases expire, and if you're looking for a new or better apartment situation, here's the scoop at Ico Fort Union. Fort Union is Ico's newest build in Cottonwood Heights off 1300 East and 6720 South. And as they say in real estate, location, location, location. Ico Fort Union puts you 10 minutes from the mouth of Big Cottonwood Canyon and central to all the Fort Union shops and restaurants, but the complex is located on a dead-end street, so you get peace. Ico Fort Union offers studio, one, two, and three-bedroom apartment homes, plus these very cool three-bedroom work-live apartments, so if you're starting something new, you can live above your business space. Amenities include a pet spa, a spin loft, a bike hub, and EV charging stations. And they are signing leases right now. So visit liveatfortunion.com for a tour. There was one other thing that the council took up that I think is really interesting because I'm going to go ahead and say that I don't, this, I don't mean to put like negative energy out there, but... I think this could potentially be something that people argue about next related oh. to zoning changes oh, in our city. <laughs> Can't we have one moment of peace? I know. But I it's because this is something that I feel like I see, for example, like Wasatch Mountain memes. Like there's like all kinds of accounts joking about Salt Lake City getting taller mm. and blocking the view of the mountains. Mm -hmm. And I think there is a anxiety around the city itself growing taller 
And I don't fully understand that anxiety. But um, Salt Lake City Planning was awarded this like grant from the Wasatch Regional Council in 2021. And the purpose of the grant was to update sections of the Salt Lake City Zoning Ordinance pertaining to two things. One is pedestrian accessibility in the in downtown and like pedestrian engagement, plazas, walkways, that kind of stuff. And the other one is building height. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And it's fairly nuanced. Like, I'm not going to get into the dirty details here. I'll link the plan in the show notes if you want to have a scroll through. But basically, like, downtown is kind of split into these different districts. And they're, like, zoned differently. So you've got your, like, central business district, your main street, Mm -hmm. you know, Three Pines, et cetera. You've got the Gateway. You've got the Broadway district, which is kind of, like, around, you know, Broadway media. And then you know, whatever else. There's Temple Square is like a district. Okay, so for each of these applied districts, they're recommending various changes to the rules. But generally, one of the themes here is things are going to start getting taller. Hmm. And that's because we are growing and we need to make space for more things. And like we have to embrace density. And one of the ways that you embrace density is you build up. We need right? to grow up and not out. Exactly. We've already sprawled exactly. enough. So in District 1, which is basically like the central business district, like kind of along Main Street, like City Creek and South, there will be, if this is approved and moves forward, no special approval required to build up to 200 feet. Now, Emily, you might be thinking, how tall is that, Allie? It doesn't seem like <laughs> a lot of feet. <laughs> No, the Walker Center is about 225 feet. Really? Yeah. It seems taller to me. Yeah. But like if you think about like 111, that Goldman Sachs building, that's like 370 feet or something. Like that's quite tall. Like we're not talking like everybody go down, bring a shovel and build a skyscraper, no questions asked. But we are seeing some gentle growth. Yeah. How do you feel about downtown getting taller? I'm into it. It will make us feel like a real downtown. The only thing is... The only thing is, I think we have like some very wonderful, beautiful buildings in downtown Salt Lake, historic buildings. Now, I don't know if they're like specially designated historic buildings. And this is the Mm -hmm. only reason I'd be concerned is like, are we going to have to dump some of these beautiful buildings to build glass skyscrapers? Right. Know what I mean? From what I can see, this doesn't really take up issues of preservation. There are standards around like tree coverage, minimum vegetation, street trees, like overhead coverage. Like there is thought being Mm -hmm. given to how damn hot it gets downtown in the summer. So we'll see how this kind of plays out. But I do forecast as part of our growing pains in this city uh, arguments about height Mm -hmm. because people like the idea that they can stand at, you know, a certain spot downtown and see the Wasatch Mountains. Yeah. Maybe the mountains should get taller. I don't know. Yeah. How about that? Speaking of the mountains, can we just like quickly touch on some gondola news? Canyon Corner. Let's hit it. So Jacob Scholl, a reporter at the trip, was like, hey, so in March, the legislature appropriated $150 million for, you know, quote unquote, traffic solutions to little and big cottonwoods traffic problems. Yeah. 
And this money, to be clear, cannot be spent on the proposed gondola up Little Cottonwood Canyon. This money could only be used for, like, existing transit. So among the things listed were, like, enhanced bus service, tolling, implementing toll Mm, booths to uh try and encourage people to carpool or take public transit, right? The enhanced bus service, of course, would be a dream come true because one thing we all know, whether or not you ski, you've seen the photos, the ski bus is a rodeo like there are horror stories of people not even being able to get on the bus so i think this is like really interesting uh-huh. because there are two things in this story that i was like kind of shaking my head at one is no one can even access this 150 million dollars until the utah department of transportation finalizes its decision on the environmental impact oh, of the gondola oh my god and eis uh, <laughs> EIS analyses can take hundreds of years. <laughs> we are in the millionth comment period for this thing already. For anyone who isn't familiar with the gondola, there is a proposal to build a gondola up Little Cottonwood Canyon. It would be a $550 million taxpayer-funded project that would basically deliver people to two private resorts that essentially print cash. And so, yeah, this money can't even even be accessed until they finish their environmental impact study of the gondola and, like, get it on record. So we're looking at, what, centuries? And then on top of that, they're, like, expanding the bus service alone because of everything we would have to do to, like, appropriate this funding. Of course, we know there's a bus driver shortage. There are all these other factors at play. Could take two years. So we could not even see expanded bus service until the like 2025, 2026 or 2024, 2025 ski season. And we'll all be dead by then anyway. Uh (laughs) And it's just like such a reminder to me that exactly that like even if this gondola gets shoved through, we'll be dead before they start (laughs) laying bricks. Well, okay, it's just kind of a bummer, man. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and even if we're not taking into account ski season traffic, which is horrific, but in the summer, there is a ton of hiking traffic, too. And maybe it's not clogging the canyon, but it is clogging the parking situation. You've got all these people, like, parking off on the side of the road so they can reach their trailhead. And wouldn't it be nice to just, like, this very summer, hop on a bus that takes me to a trailhead and has 15-minute headways, that'd be nice. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, Benjamin Wood, friend of the pod and reporter for City Weekly, did a story just this past week where he basically got someone from UDOT on the record saying that when they sketched out the idea for the gondola, they didn't really take hikers or anyone but skiers into Leaf peepers. You're screwed, Which is leaf like, peepers. They said the quiet part out loud. It's like, yeah, no shit. We, we all, know. We, we know the knew. gondola is not for the hikers. Thank you. But like, <laughs> nice job. I mean, good work, ben Benjamin Wood. Wood, for getting it on the record. Ay, all yeah, right. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this winter. It's been one for the books. Oh my god! Almost 800 inches of snow. That's horrifying. Which is to me. cuckoo bananas. Governor Cox has issued an emergency flood declaration, Emily. Did you know that? Thanks, Governor Cox. Did you know that he has also declared April Flood Safety Month? Wow, I wonder why. (laughs) 
<laughs> Lots Tensions of things are coinciding high. here. If I was the, let me just say quickly, if I was the governor, every month would be like a themed month, but it would just be themed to whatever HBO show I'm watching. Like, <laughs> November is White Lotus Month, and if I catch you without a flower in your hair, you'll be relegated to unincorporated Salt Lake County. <laughs> we don't go there. Yeah, there is grave concern that our waterways could swell. The city is already doing controlled releases from reservoirs. Tensions are high. And I mean, we talked to a meteorologist this week on the show who was like, listen, people, we have better infrastructure now than we have ever had. Like, it is unlikely we see the great State Street flood of 1983 all over again. I am feeling confident that like, yeah, there's going to be some flooding, but like we have the resources to mitigate damage. At the same time, I learned from the governor's emergency declaration, and I don't know if you knew this, Emily, but flooding has caused the most damage of any weather-related event in Utah, Mm. historically. Like, it is our biggest enemy. Oh, really? No, I didn't know that. But I can't imagine that stat coming from southern Utah, where we often have flash floods. Yeah. That's probably what it's about. I mean, it just feels like— And a monsoon season. you, You and I live— fairly downtown. It feels like the kind of thing we wouldn't experience here. But I was thinking, like, what about the folks who live in Memory Grove kind of area right next to City Creek? What about the folks who live in Fair Park right next to the Jordan River? So, Yeah. yeah, I mean, I could see why they're concerned and probably filling up their sandbags. So I put together a little list with help from the city and some great journalists around town of what you and I and listeners can do if we have anxiety about flooding. My flood anxiety, I'm going to be honest, I'm at about a four. Mm. But I live in an apartment building, so and I'm not on the first floor. But if you have anxiety about flooding, which is so valid, get a pen and paper. Here are some ideas. Ready? You're going to love some of these, Emily, because they're good old-fashioned civic engagement. One, adopt a storm drain because... What is most useful is making sure that our storm drains aren't clogged by debris, whether that's like, you know, cans or just branches, so that when water melts, it goes right in there. And guess where that water goes? That water goes to the Great Salt Lake. lake. Yeah. Allie, full disclosure, I intended to adopt a storm drain at the beginning of the year, and then I forgot. I know. That's why I put it first on the list. Oh, okay. So this was targeted? Mm -hmm. I'm subtweeting you. Um, If you are not feeling emotionally prepared to adopt a storm drain yourself, there is a number you can call if you see a storm drain that's not looking good, that's looking pretty clogged. That number is 801-483-6700. And the city will go and unclog that storm drain. So we can all, you know, kind of do our part. Similarly, number two, help clear waterways. So, like, if you're down even at, like, Sugar House Park or if you're over, like, walking along the Jordan River and you see, like, a massive branch or something that's kind of, like, stopping up water. Now, don't undo a beaver's beaver dam. You know, we don't don't be intrusive. Knock first. But if you see, like, just big branches or garbage or whatever in the Jordan River, like, and you can get in there and yank it out. Yank it out because we need to keep our waterways as clear as possible so that water can rush again straight into reservoirs or into the Great Salt Lake. The third thing you can do is you can check the county's floodplain map to see where you're at. So it is this really useful, like, 
interactive map. And you can see, like, if you're in a flood zone, basically, or, like, how high risk your neighborhood is for flooding. I opened it up this morning, and I got to say, like, of course, all along the Jordan River there, purple. Purple zone, you know? So also be thoughtful about, like, maybe being prepared to pitch in and help out neighbors that are in parts of the city that are more likely to flood than yours. And then the final thing is you can get sandbags. Anyone in Salt Lake County can go and get sandbags from Wasatch Front Waste and Recycling. And that address is 604 West 6960 South. And you can swing through and they will load up your truck or car with sandbags with you for you. Um, And you can sandbag your house. Allie, this was extremely helpful. Thank you. Thank you. All right. What are you up to this weekend? Easter weekend. Easter weekend. Also Passover this week. Are you feeling holy? Feeling holy. My family is deeply Catholic. And so Mm -hmm. Easter is always a pretty big celebration for us. I'm headed up to Layton because guess what, Allie? My mom ordered New York City bagels from QVC. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is the most so suburban thing I've ever heard in my life. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, it sounds like an Easter Passover sort of hybrid celebration. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. What are you doing this weekend? So this weekend, I think, is actually one of the most fun weekends in Salt Lake because there are three events that are very exciting to me. Saturday morning, we've got Empanada Fest. Delicious. At Square Kitchen, where you can basically eat seven different kinds of empanadas from seven different vendors with a Fisher beer in your hand or a juice or a coffee. Um, That kicks off at, I think, 11 a.m. Sounds delightful. And then also all day Saturday, it's baby animal celebrations. Cute! Cross E Ranch and at, this is the place, Heritage Park. It's looking outside and seeing all this like snow on the ground. It is hard to believe that baby animals are being birthed, but... Nature's they don't do live its by thing. live by our rules, okay? No, we can't hold up a pregnancy for the weather. So chicks, ducks, lambs, like little baby little bunnies, like God, little they're also goats. cute. So go get those little dudes on your Instagram story, cuddle them, take pics, bring the kids. So that's all day Saturday, and then on Sunday is what I think. Salt Lake's most fun annual dance party. It is back. It's the 13th year. It's the bunny hop. Have you ever been to the bunny hop, Emily? I've never been. Hop, hop, hop. It's so fun. Is it just the bunny hop over and over again for hours? (laughs) What it is, is it's all the people who don't necessarily have anywhere to be on Easter or like are swinging by a family Easter thing and then want to go out after. They do a massive dance party at the garage on Beck. Like the whole back area is all open. They have DJs. It's 25 bucks to get in. It's a fundraiser for Encircle and Gender Bands. And at noon, they put out a huge brunch and they leave Mm. it out until sunset. And you can just like drink, groove, dance. Sounds like a great time. I just feel like it's such a Salt Lake event. It's so unique. This year, they're not selling tickets. It's first come, first serve entry. So get down there early and like have the time of your life. Man, too bad I got QVC bagels to eat. Otherwise, I'd be there. I know. All right. All well, right. happy Easter, Emily, to you and Thank your you. family. I hope the bagels are delicious. And I will see you Monday. See you Monday. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Our lead producer is Emily Means. Our producer is Ivana Martinez. Our newsletter editor is Terina Ria. And our host is me, Ali Vallarta. 
Music is by the local band Mitochondria. We will be back Monday morning with more from around this city. Have a great weekend. Bye.